0: Welcome to the Heartland Community Church Podcast with part three in the series, The Jesus I Wish You Knew. Today's message by Eric Parks is titled, Jesus the Forgiver. The Jesus I Wish You Knew. This is a series we're in and we're looking at what are attributes of Jesus that sometimes our world might miss. I was thinking about this particular thought this week. Have you ever been judged by somebody? Like anybody, you ever walked into a crowd and you know the way they're looking at what you're wearing, your hairstyle, um, the way that you speak, talk, whatever, that this group, this person's judging you, you know it. I remember I moved, My senior year in high school from Texas to Kansas, right in the middle of my senior year. And the moment I walked into that small Kansas town and opened the door, it was like a needle went across a record and everybody stopped and was like, who in the world is this? They all judged me by the way that I spoke and the clothes that I wore. And it's really, really painful. Like It's really hard to be judged by people. And the truth is that judgment, judgmentalism is the last thing that we as Christians should be associated with. I mean, Jesus says this in Matthew, stop judging. This is what he says, he, he commands us as Christians, don't be judgmental. And yet that term is one of the most associated terms with Christians. That's what we are, and so that must be what Jesus is. He's just judgmental. Well, I thought about this, and, and there's reasons why we as humans do this. There's a psychological term. It's called fundamental attribution error, and, and it's really simple. We as humans do this all the time. When somebody does something we don't like, we attribute something really negative to their character. right? We, we don't see it as circumstantial, when somebody cuts you off, it's not that they're busy, late for work or maybe they're kids sick. They're a complete idiot, right? What is wrong with you, right? That's why if you flip open social media, you can find pretty regularly every day dozens of clips of people who have had a fundamental attribution error and lost their mind because this person is obviously not fit to be alive. My, my friend, Chad Brugman, he said it this way. He says, the way we work as humans and as Christians is that we want grace and mercy for us. We want you to give me the benefit of the doubt. But we want judgment for everybody else. Right? Right? So I was reading through this book this week. It's a book, um, it's by Kenneth Bailey. It's called Through Peasant's Eyes. I'm really indebted to him for this talk. But he's looking at a passage in Luke chapter seven. And if you have your Bibles, you can flip to it. It's in the New Testament, Luke chapter seven. It starts in verse 36. And it's a story that I think we as Christians oftentimes are really familiar with. It's a story of a prostitute that comes really to the defense of Jesus. But I wanna give a little bit of context. Because I think it's really important when we we begin to address this idea of Jesus the forgiver. Now in Jesus' time, there were some things that you need to know. Now remember, in this passage, Jesus has been invited to a really important person's house. It, It was a religious leader, but you gotta think about it like this. It'd be like being invited over to a state senator's house. And so being this guest of honor, there would probably be three things you should, uh, that should be happening. Number one is there are probably other important people there too. Dignitaries, local leaders, people knew who Jesus was. They'd be there for dinner, and then there would be an outer group of people who were the poorest, uh, destitute, those that weren't well thought of, that would be waiting around for table scraps, okay? This is pretty common. So Jesus shows up at this really important person's house, okay? and. Normally when you show up to someone's house, there's a few things that always happen, always. It's customary. Three things, number one, you're always greeted with a kiss. Now that doesn't seem too weird, does it? I mean, when we see someone we haven't seen in a long time or if we have someone who's invited to our house, it's very customary to reach out your hand and shake. Not right the second. We're doing other weird things like elbow bumps and virtual hugs but you know what I'm saying we'd shake a hand in Jesus' day they'd kiss if they were equals they'd kiss on the cheek if if it was like a student to a master or a teacher they'd kiss on the hand but but you always do this If if you don't do that it would be really weird very rude second thing is that in Jesus' day they would always when someone of importance came into their home give them a basin of water to refresh. Now, I know that seems strange to us, but you gotta remember, in Jesus' time, it was dry and dusty and hot. And I was thinking about this a few years ago, Chrissy and I, we were in Rwanda. We were visiting a Compassion International Child Development Center. We had been driving for five hours through mostly remote, dry, dusty roads, when we finally arrived at the center, we got out, they were serving us a meal. And they had these white cloths, almost like big bath towels that they had put water on and sprinkled with rosemary. I put it on my face and wiped it down, and I'm not kidding, this white towel went completely brown. Because I had dust in every single crevice of my body from that dry, dusty drive. Well, it'd be the same in Jesus' day. You'd walk into someone's house for dinner and a really kind host, well, really any host would give you some sort of basin, but a kind one would have a servant wash your feet. Or maybe they'd do it, but they'd at least give you water. And then the third thing that would happen in Jesus' time is that a really kind host would give you oil, right? No deodorant long hot days, the oil would act as a refresher you know, as you go into this meal. This is customary. This is what always happens for guests of honor. And this did not happen for Jesus at all. And nobody does anything. His disciples don't, well, almost nobody. A, nobody does actually do something. A prostitute, yeah. This lady who is standing on the outer edge, she sees what this, these religious leaders do to Jesus. Like, how can you be so rude to this unbelievably amazing human that talks to people like me? And so something like happens in her and she decides to act. Now, here's the thing, she knows If she walks up and she interacts with Jesus, she's gonna get smacked, beaten, and maybe stoned and killed. She knows, but she can't sit there and do nothing. And so, in this most heroic, beautiful act, she comes up to Jesus and the kiss that he wasn't given, remember how he was slighted in that way? She drops to her knees and she kisses his feet. She wasn't an equal, she couldn't kiss his cheek or hand, but she kisses his feet, and then she doesn't have a basin of water. So the Bible tells us she just starts weeping on his feet. And then she takes her hair, and she uses her hair like as a towel. She wipes the mud and dust and muck from Jesus' body. And then, would have been customary for her, as a prostitute, to have alabaster oil, it would have hung from her neck. And it was the one thing that made her job remotely, remotely palatable, the smell the alabaster. She pours it on his feet. The kiss, the washing, the oil. It's such a beautiful moment, and yet, as humans do, they don't see what's happening. They sit in judgment. Jesus knows it, he reads their mind, and he tells them this parable, like, listen, isn't it true, like, when we've been given much grace, that out of that should flow such beautiful mercy. He gives them a parable about a debtor And then he talks about this woman. And he says, so I tell you in verse 47, all of her sins are forgiven and that's why she's showing such love. She's been like this recipient of grace. And just like judgmental people do, they don't hear the story. They don't see themselves as recipients. They see what they want to see. And they make this crazy response. They look at each other and they're like, who is he? He forgives sins. Really? Really? You know, I think sometimes we can be like those Pharisees. We can, and I know it's like I'll hear people all the time. Yeah, but I, I just I, I got to speak the truth. I I I, I got to tell the truth. But in, in actuality, what we're really doing is sitting at this table of blessing that we don't deserve. And we really just don't want anybody else to sit at the table with us. So you realize like Jesus didn't come to judge. That's not our jobs. He said in John three seventeen that God sent his son into the world not to judge it, but to save the world through him. So if Jesus isn't standing in judgment, why do we? You see, Heartland, this is why I've said from the moment I stepped into leading this church, that we were gonna build a church for anybody and everybody. People who were far from God, lost, broken, don't look like you and me at all. If you're someone who says, I I don't belong in a church, we're the church for you. If you think you have it all put together, we're the church for you. This is the place we have to be like, we have to be a people that know how to receive grace. But we also have to be a people who know how to be a pipeline of it too. You see, if it weren't for that, someone, a group of people who knew how to pour out grace in a similar way Jesus did, I wouldn't even know him. Because I was 21 years old when my sister invited me to a group and I got around some people who didn't judge me. They didn't say, hey, you don't have it figured out. I don't know, man, you better get it all straight before you start coming around here. Nobody said that to me. They just introduced me to this Jesus that was unbelievable that he would let a guy like me hang around him. And it was through that but I came into this like saving knowledge of Him and He has changed everything about my life. He's given me a plan and a purpose. See, grace is truth. And sometimes, oftentimes, it becomes far too easy to hide behind being truth tellers. Instead of grace givers. Look, this is what our world needs. It needs a oasis. A place this is come on. I know. Come on. It's safe. You come here. You could be here. It's all good. It needs a place that looks like Jesus, who's willing to associate with people who don't sit at the table. But Jesus makes space for them. And isn't that the kind of place we want to build? Isn't that the Jesus that you know? And for those of you that don't know him, that maybe, like, I don't know, you found us online or you're just flipping through, or maybe some crazy person invited you, or maybe you're just flipping through Facebook feed and you pause. Let me say, don't don't move on yet. If you don't know Jesus, like that Jesus, you can. Like today, you can know him. And it's simple. The Apostle Paul says this, that anybody, everybody who calls on his name, they're going to be saved. Like, and that's really simple. That's just admitting that you're broken and don't have it all figured out. Anybody in that boat... Yeah, me too. And then asking him to come into your life and then committing to just following his ways. And here's what I know. Is Jesus does have a plan. He does have a purpose for you. So you you really can know him today. So I'm going to pray two prayers for us. The first prayer is for those of us that maybe need to be reintroduced to this God of mercy and grace, this Jesus who's a healer, and maybe we've forgotten what he did for us so long ago, maybe we need to be reminded so that we, you and me, can participate in his redemptive work in ways we otherwise couldn't, and then I'm going to pray for those of you that maybe want to know him today, because you can, you can know him today. Let's pray. God, I pray for all my friends that are listening. One, will you help those of us who sometimes stand in judgment of the world around us to be reminded of the grace you deposited upon us. May you help us be dispensers of that good grace in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools, because our world in this season It needs grace. It needs love. And that is truth. And Father, for my friends that maybe for the very first time are considering giving their life to you, following you, the great healer, the forgiver, I pray this morning that you'd give them the courage to pray a simple prayer. Father, I've fallen short. I need your help. I turn from the way in which I lived I invite you into my life and into my heart to lead me every day of my life. Be with them as they pray that prayer. And be with us as we live out in this season in our life that Jesus, the forgiver. Amen. You've been listening to the message Jesus the Forgiver with Eric Parks, co-lead pastor at Heartland Community Church. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or YouTube at Heartland CC or you can watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.